0: This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey, Wild Souls, it's Linz. Welcome to this brand new episode. Um, I'm very excited for this one. This is our continuation of the episode that was posted two weeks ago, Trusting the Inner Voice. This is our opportunity to go a little bit deeper into this
1: and to, um, for me to answer some more of your wonderful questions, um, about this wild journey that is, uh, lifelong that involves us, uh, learning to trust these inner voices of ours, um,
0: And I don't really have any announcements, so I'm just going to get right to it.
1: Um, I'm going to read a couple of questions and offer my answers. And if you did not hear um, part one, um, that's totally fine. You're welcome to just listen to this if this is uh, where you happen to be landing on the podcast today. Um, But if you want a little bit more insight into um, like how we can trust, how not trusting the inner voice actually really isn't even a problem, just a little bit more platform and a foundation for this idea. Um, before the questions, I welcome and encourage you to go to part one and listen to that. Um, and, uh, cause this one will just be sort of diving in. Um, the only precursor that I have to this episode is this. Um, I got a lot of questions, of course, from folks who um, expressed in one way or another that, you know, how do we hear, listen to, receive um, the inner voice when there's been trauma? So of course, um, I'm not a therapist and always want to be super clear about that. Not that I think we need to be therapists to discuss trauma, um, but always know that um, there are differences in every person, um, situations that can arise with every person where we may need some extra support, medication, you know, all manner of things to um, make things feel Um, safe and resourced enough to dive into intuition. And of course, my advice should never be taken as a substitute for proper health, mental um, guidance and care um, with great respect to those who do that work because it's crucial and important. Um, And I also want to name that in my journey of having my intuition reopened after having severe PTSD, of which I'm still actively on the journey of working through, um, I have needed medication. I have needed major neurotransmitter therapy. I have needed um, uh, uh, therapy. I have needed certain forms of standard support that actually um, have helped me to get to the other side of my intuitive journey. And I don't say that to hopefully isolate or make anyone feel like they can't, um, like they're, they they do not have access to this because they need help. Um, you know, that's not what I'm saying, but, um, it's actually to empower you because so many people who are living with trauma, um, really beat themselves up and say, you know, why can't I hear? Why can't I receive? And it's really because the nervous system needs um a lot of like a lot of uh support around it sometimes in certain seasons of life to receive and to hear. And that that is perfect because there's so many forms of support that can come. And so all that preamble, you know, important preamble to say, you know, of course, um, if you're working through huge trauma big mental, um, brain chemistry, stuff like that, obviously check him with your, with your support system. Um, but, uh, I have done a couple of episodes about this on this podcast. One of them is trauma and the tarot, which is both a class on my website and an Uh, a podcast episode. I did one that is titled on the podcast, Is It Intuition or Brain Chemistry? That provides some pretty good support um, on that question. But I wanted to offer up um, a kind of a universal um, invitation. And I'm going to be doing um, a smaller course on the inner voice and intuition soon. And this will be something we will cover. So I won't go so into this, but the key anytime, like let's zoom out on trauma. Um, the key with any experience that we have where the nervous system feels like it's louder um, than what we can perceive in the channel, um, that's actually not a problem. Um, it's not to say that it is comfortable in any way, but it's not it it does not mean that we are barred or blocked from hearing our intuition. The trick is that you actually have to go through the chemistry. That doesn't mean go back in and revisit every horrible, you know, deeply grieving wounded thing you've experienced. Not That's actually the opposite. Um, It's naming of the experience. You know, there's a pretty common school of thought and it makes sense, right? That if we have some really big grief, some really big anger, some really big feelings, and we kind of want to touch into the inner voice about something, we don't immediately assume that those feelings are actually the boat that's taking us from one side of the river to the next, um, the other side of the river being our intuition. But that's actually true, that if we try to go around the feelings, if we try to go around the brain chemistry without um, cultivating ways to sit with it, it will be almost impossible to hear the inner voice um, because there's all kinds of inner voices, right? And those feelings are part of the inner mechanism. They're just not always the truth. They're always real. They're just not always true. So we're going to go into this in far greater um, and kind of, uh, exampled detail in this offering that's coming up pretty soon. Um, um, next month or two. I'm not sure when her birthday wants to be. Um, but uh, basically, if you're working through really big waves, you want to be with those waves, not for months at a time, but just in the moment in whatever way feels safe for you. You want to be with those waves before you try to tune in. It's really about caretaking, acknowledging, honoring what's here so that you can hold hands with that while you drop in. Um, This is, you know, I have PTSD. I am a survivor of very extreme abuse. Um, It started pretty much from the minute I was born. Um, And I'm still actively on a healing journey with that. In fact, I'm doing some of the deepest healing work of my life on that right now because my nervous system is now um, healthy, ready enough to go there. Um, And I don't think I could have handled the work before that. Always a spiral, always layered. Um, But this is my practice because I have a wild, loud brain and my brain is in a in a web, in a, in a kind of a weaving with my inner child who sometimes is frightened and scared or angry or nervous or upset. And it's also in a weaving with some really strong hypervigilance survival, um, helpers in me that, are so intense that it's very hard to really hear anything when my brain chemistry kicks in. So what I've really learned is that there is a way, um, to receive what the inner voice says. It just takes time. It takes patience and it takes the ability to hold without necessarily going into anything that you can't handle or that overwhelms your capacity to cope. Um, it's about holding, acknowledging, bowing to your feelings and then allowing the inner voice to get woven in. So, you know, I sort of spoke on this last week, um, but if there's immense sadness, uh, let's take it even away from trauma. If there's immense sadness and um, just it, grief beyond grief and you're not crying because you don't want to go there. Um Because, you know, you can experience grief without tears, of course, but um, if there's a cry in you and you're sort of resisting it or feeling pissed off and you don't really know why, but under it is grief. um, And if we're trying to tune in about like our next project, um, it will be very hard to receive anything about that. The key is that we have to actually cradle the grief first. And call upon the inner voice to caretake that. What can I do to support myself in this moment? Um, What do I need? Um, How can I be present with this? You know, um, learning how to call upon the inner voice for what's here and seeing all forms of brain chemistry as these rafts that actually we have to move through the membrane. Um, it's almost like gliding underwater. Um, if you, some people don't like water, you know, so I understand that. But if you are really moved and kind of um, opened in the way that I am, like if you, if you dive down into water and feel yourself like gliding through, that's kind of what we're doing when we say, okay, before I ask about like, you know, what to do with my, um, you know, next quarter. Um, I'm acknowledging that there's, there's grief here. I'm acknowledging that there's anger here. I'm acknowledging that there's a tremendous anxiety here. Um, can I bow to that without making anything wrong? Can I call upon my support without making anything wrong? And can I include in that spirit, Is there anything for me to do that could support myself in this moment? And then once we're kind of through that, even if you don't necessarily feel totally centered, there's been an opening and an allowance to tune in about what it is that you wanted to tune in about. So it's all about inclusion with the inner voice. It's very difficult to kind of compartmentalize and say, I'm going to tune in about this, but I'm just going to push away this thing that I'm experiencing right now to try to get something. And actually with more practice, this process gets very, very quick. Um, not that it always has to be quick, but now for me, it's like, okay, hypervigilance, anxiety, wanting this, wanting that, um, experiencing X, Y, Z breathing and, really just like opening my arms to all of it, um, and then just dropping in about whatever I, I want to or need to, and I'll, I will get the answer that I get. Um, so with trauma, it's very hard to bypass the big feelings when they come up. With time and repetition and experience, we can actually start to develop a kind of a dual hearing system where we can hear the subtleties over the loud brain chemistry. Um, but it's a little bit much to get into on a podcast episode, but if you're interested in that, we're going to talk about it in inner voice, which is the name of the course that I'm going to be doing. That's, uh, I hope people will like, and, um, should be out whenever it decides to be born. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I hope that was useful. Obviously it's a, it's a very small, not mental health professionally given, um, word just about kind of the, the backbone of like, we don't need to get rid of those feelings. In other words, to drop into the inner voice, they're capable. We are capable of hearing both together and, um, of acknowledging that sometimes the brain comes first and that's really important. It's like taking care of a child before we can kind of get to the next thing. Mm -hmm. we, have a question for our children or a child that we're taking care of, but they're hysterical. We're not going to bypass the hysteria because we need to know like where their shoes are. We're going to caretake, scoop them up, listen to them, or like not scoop them up and just hold the space, whatever their bodies want. Um, but that's kind of what we do with us too. Um, it's, you can think of yourself as a little kid that you love, that you love and cherish and that, um, you always want to be taking the best possible care of that you can, you know? And then when that fear comes up, you know, we can do the same thing. Instead of identifying, um, we can just say, whoa, you know, hey, I see you. What can I do? Can I can I just be here? You know, whatever it is. Um, it all brings medicine. It's not that we kick out the brain because the soul is better, higher. Uh, the brain always provides information. And it's always trying to work for us, even though it really doesn't seem that way sometimes. (laughs) Um, Even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. So through is always better than around in any given circumstance, but especially with intuition. Okay, so our, our first question is from Sarah. And uh, their question is, uh, they say, my question is about trusting the inner voice regarding communication with family, especially with holidays coming up. I'm checking in, I'm asking for guidance, and I cannot tell if I'm avoiding people in conversations because I don't want to face them, or if my inner voice is telling me that I truly need separation to heal. I understand that not all discomfort is bad and there can be opportunity for growth, how can I make my intuition, my true ally and avoid self-betrayal in this situation? So first of all, Sarah, more sympathetic, more compassionate, more empathic. Um, uh, just, I couldn't be, uh, I understand this so acutely, so intimately. I've been at the, the crest of this question so many times. Um, I know the heaviness, the tears, the heartbreak, the uncertainty that it comes with. And I'm just holding you. And I really want to applaud your courage in asking these questions. It takes a hell of a lot of guts, bravery. Um, there's so much evolved in you to even want to check in. So there's so much to celebrate already. And I just don't want you to miss the celebration. And I know that there are others who understand what you're asking and, um, you know, you're giving them a gift because a lot of people don't even think they can question going to their relatives' houses for holidays and even question that they could choose themselves over going home. So you're giving all of us a gift. So thank you. Um, you're doing everything right. Checking in, just asking, you know, is it in highest and best for me to go home? Does it align with everyone? Is it in my family's highest alignment right now? Um, letting it not be clear yet is awesome. Um, giving yourself full permission, even if you decide it is, even if you connect with a knowing that you're really getting AFs to go, um, even though it feels really scary if you are getting yes, knowing that you can always say no, and it really does not matter if you disappoint people, it's okay. If they are disappointed by you honoring what's in your highest and best, that's their work to do. And if, um, especially if you're canceling on, um, a holiday, it, it just has everything to do with them and you can let them have that, you know? Um, so another thing that's cool to ask, um, is the why of it? Why, what is your desire? Do you, what, is, what would your desire be in going home and seeing these people right now? Um, are you in the season of your life for that? Does your inner kid feel safe enough with you as an ally right now? Do they? Does your inner kid feel safe enough with your family? Um, And that's not to to imply that your inner kid would not feel safe with you, but I know mine hasn't or doesn't sometimes and um, not so much anymore. Um, But it's absolutely happened and there's always respect for that. So just like putting more length and breadth in the variety of the the questions can be helpful. Um, But I will say that if it's not for something like this, a strong embodied yes, it is most likely a no, which does not mean that Lindsay is telling you not to engage with your family on the holidays, not at all. But I do want to pull at a thread here that I think I'm feeling and witnessing and sensing in your question and in what you shared, which is, Um, that you are checking in, that you are asking for guidance, and that it seems that you're getting a no and can't decide whether or not you trust that no. Now, if I'm wrong, you just email me and then we'll go from there. (laughs) But um, because you're describing to me that you can't tell if you're avoiding people in conversations because you don't want to face them, or if your inner voice is telling you that you truly need separation to heal. What if it's something completely different than that? What if your inner kid, what if your body desires to have a peaceful, easeful, restorative holiday where you're not doing soul work with your family? Because that's enough to say no that you don't want to right now, that you don't desire to right now is enough. It is so enough. And I'm going to tell you something else. As somebody who has a very tenuous relationship with my birth family, I'll share with you something that happened to me not two weeks ago. So I haven't, I don't have a speaking relationship with my mother. Um, She was abusive she's very sick and um there was a lot of enabling in my family we should have been taken away we were not it happened again and again and again it's now my deepest priority as the caretaker of my little girl to not um be engaged unless i want to it's taken many years for me to step up in full advocacy for myself um And it's not to center me, but it's just to tell you that for years, years, I've always thought I haven't given my mother a complete answer because again, without getting into it, my mother is very ill, Mm -hmm. very ill and cannot really even follow a conversation like that. Um, and, uh, was not available. She's so much in her trauma that um, she doesn't remember what she did. So she can't be available. A lot of mental gymnastics um, and a lot of fragility. So I separated from my mother. And the only thing I ever told her was that I could not have a good quality of life with her in it and that I needed space and I needed her to respect that. Um, And she did for the most part. Aside from other things. Um, And I always thought, I want to be able to tell her lovingly, compassionately, that I don't actually want a relationship with her because my mother's mind is of the fact that she doesn't actually know that, even though you and I might think, well, I haven't talked to this person in five years, whatever. So, long story short, I went over to my grandmother's house not two weeks ago, and my mother just showed up and started talking to me like we had never not spoken, immediately violated my boundaries, immediately came into my personal space, immediately wanted to know why I wasn't talking to her. And when was I going to drop all this shit? And this is something that for five years, and really before that, since I was a very young kid. I, I've always said, how the fuck am I going to have this conversation with her? Do I write her? Do I call her? Like, what do I do? What if she dies before I have it? And there was my opportunity. And when I made plans to go to my grandmother's house for dinner, that was not in my purview of what was going to go down. And I was able to have the gift of looking my mother in the eyes and compassionately, nonviolently telling her that I didn't desire an adult relationship and that we were complete. And she lobbed a lot at me and I honored it and bowed to it, continued to spoke speak from the heart, and then she left. So it's a big minimization of probably the most important conversation I've ever had like in my life. Um... But I share that and I, I like go all the way into that story, Sarah, because I want to say that I checked in before going to that dinner and I got a yes. And when I was at that dinner, I kept thinking, I think my mother is going to show up because more happened during that dinner that I won't get into. Um, I was ready and I heard a yes to go. And I had no idea that that was what I was saying yes to, but it was right. And it was time. And I share that with you because when the time comes for difficult convos, you may not know, but you will absolutely hear the yes to go. So trust your yes and your no. Don't worry about if you're not facing it. Really honor that whether you know it or not. If you are meant to have a really, really intense, powerful convo with a member of your family, the time will come and it will be completely aligned. It will be perfect. Even if you are ambushed (laughs) by somebody that you don't want to see as I was. Um, It was a gift. It was a gift. It's not always a gift when those things happen. And I was horrified and traumatized and hysterical afterward. And then, um, because I had the freedom and permission to process that grief and trauma and shock, and I moved through to the other side to exhilaration and excitement that I couldn't believe that I did it after so many years of wondering how the hell I was ever going to have that conversation. Um, your inner voice will never, ever let you down. And this is something, this is a conversation and a question that I see in a lot of places, which is, I don't want to back down from evolutionary discomfort. I don't want to like push out basically. I don't want to avoid, I don't want to be avoidant. Um, and to that, I would say that there's a difference between being avoidant and being wise with our body and our boundaries and the timing that things are meant to unfold. It could be that you need a little bit more time, strong and badass as you are, to cultivate the root system in you to have a conversation or to see a family member. It could be that, you know, you're meant to meet a therapist or you're meant to meet a teacher. You're surrounded by a group of folks that are so um, powerful in their witnessing of you. And maybe they're not in your life yet. And they are meant to be when you do have conversations like that. So if it's not a hell yet, in other words, the tough convos and the hard face-to-faces, you're never going to miss them. They're going to come to you. And there there are times when We don't get to have those words with someone. We're not even always meant to. Sometimes it's really about um, moving through lots of experiences where we don't say what we want to say to someone so that we can gain more perspective, support, and clarity about why and heal that. So, in other words, all that to say, evolution, and of course, like you know, I value discomfort, like I value the shit out of discomfort, but Evolution sometimes is saying a gentle no thank you when we just desire to have a peaceful goddamn holiday. Evolution is sometimes saying, I desire for like a really easy time. I want to go to the movies. I want to just chill out. Such unbelievable self care. So if you're, it's very easy for the brain to try to like, my teacher always says this, like use our spiritual work against us. My teacher, Michelle, like, to say like, oh, you're not doing the stronger thing by engaging. And actually it's the opposite. Sometimes the stronger thing is to say, I'm not getting a complete yes right now. So it means that right now it's a no, because unless it's a complete yes, it's really a no. And I, it's a long way of saying, trust yourself and also really bow to what your brain is doing. Um, because we just don't have to. When the time comes to lean in, you're gonna be ready for it and you're gonna know and you're gonna get a clear yes, whether you're aware of what's facing you or not. Um, but no matter what, you can't make a mistake. If you go and shit hits the fan, you're it's gonna be such a beautiful lesson in contrast. It'll be just like, wow, like that felt um really hard, you know, and I, I like now I, I can sense back and think like, you know, I did kind of get a no, but I felt like I had to, you know, whatever. um, Or sometimes, you know, for me, it took me a long time to realize that when my my body used to flare up with pain sometimes before family functions, and it took me a, a shockingly long time to realize like, oh, that's my body saying no, thank you. No, thank you. Take care of me. I don't want to be around them right now. Um, And it's nothing personal to my family. It's just what it is. Um, You can't make a mistake. You're going to get beautiful medicine in the form of contrast, no matter what, because it'll show you so beautifully what you don't desire or want. Um, You'll get to practice making amends to your body and your kid, which only continues to foster beautiful intimacy with all parts of ourselves. Um, If you get an answer and you honor that, there will be no self-betrayal. Even if you're not sure, the key is if you're not sure, honor it as a no. Don't do. Because you may not know why. um, And it's not like, oh my God, something horrible might happen. It's more about honoring that you may not have all of the understanding about what why it's not a complete yes yet. But if you stay open and curious and really willing to say, you know, um, I trust that if I am meant to have like a hardcore eyeball to eyeball conversation um, with someone that it's going to happen at the perfect time where my nervous system, my body, my inner advocate, my inner caretaker... My inner voice will all be there with me and I'll be able to say whatever I have to say in a way that is rooted. And by the way, it might even be that your way of communicating is really angry and that's fine. We don't all have to be communicating in a compassionate way to speak from the heart, to speak from truth. Um, you're never going to be able to miss that. So trust that you don't have to do anything because of your brain inviting you into the idea that you might be shirking some kind of spiritual responsibility by not engaging with someone. It's just not always the time when those things come up. So it was a long answer, but I think it was a really important question. And I hope you'll permit me, um, and forgive me for including myself in your answer. Um, but it's very fresh on my mind. So I thought it would be useful just to share that, um, Those things are going to come when they're ready, if they're meant, and you will be ready for them. So just honor, if you don't want to go to home for the holidays, you just don't have to do it. You just don't have to. So really honor that. Elena asks, how do you know the difference between your intuition and inner voice? Sometimes I get a gut feeling about something, but when I think about it logically, it would make more sense to not listen to that feeling. Can your intuition lead you astray? Um, So such a great question, Elena. Um, No. I don't think your intuition can lead you astray, but I want to go deeper. So when we, when I speak anyway of intuition and inner voice, we're speaking about the same thing. It's just the cord of wisdom and truth that runs through us in an ever present way, always available, always, um, sort of singing from us underneath like the din of our thoughts and primal functions and nervous systems, whatever. Um, but I completely understand what you, mean, what you mean by this, because we can have these huge gut feelings that are just like zingers. And then when we tune in, they don't actually make sense for this moment, or um, we kind of get a not right now on them, or um, not meant to be actioned on right now, or by you may not be in highest alignment right now. It really depends. So the overall key, and the answer to your question is it's all about the check in baby so if you get a really really big gut feeling always shift it over to your guides and your inner self call upon that and say wow there's a huge invitation in my body to you know um go after or call in like xyz um is that from you spirit you know is that are you inviting me into that um checking in is really the only way we're able to determine that A, what we get in our gut is actually in our highest and best or meant to be responded to right now and for us, and two, that we aren't um braining it away. <laughs> um and there's certainly nothing wrong with what you wrote here, like not in the slightest, but I think it is important to reflect on your phrasing. What you said was, when I think about it logically, it would make more sense to not reflect on, to not, sorry, it would make more sense not to listen to that feeling. So what I'm hearing, and it's not a problem, not at all, but what I am hearing is that you get a gut sense and then your brain comes in and then your logic comes in and then there's languaging that describes the bypassing of a feeling. Again, it's not a problem and it's not a call out at all. It's just a, just a gentle reflection that um, important to acknowledge that um, ideally, we never want to brain any gut feeling away because what you're describing is a process of your brain shutting down a gut feeling because it doesn't make sense to the brain. And I'm going to tell you this, most intuitive knowings are not going to make sense to the brain. Um, I am in this right now where, um, this course is a perfect example, this little intuition course that, um, I'm kind of like gestating and is living in me right now. Um, she is so fierce and, uh, I am, trying in a human way to just be like, exactly, like when roughly would you like to come forward? Like I have other things to offer. It's a little confusing. Um, and, uh, she's just not ready and she doesn't want her birthday to be dictated by me. She wants to choose. Um, so I'm waiting. Um, but I have all kinds of brain shit. That's like, oh, what if I release two offerings around the same time because I'm doing threshold again for 2020? And what if she wants to come in December? Like, What if I do it in January? Will anyone want to buy anything in January? Will people be ready? And that's all me. That's me doing exactly what you wrote. And I use myself as an example so you understand that you're not doing anything wrong because what you're describing is so natural and so much a part of this. But The difference is I know enough never to make decisions from my brain saying, well, maybe it would make more sense to do da-da-da-da-da because my brain's story, my logic self has no part zero in any of the holy creation and the um, commitment that I have as a, a literal vessel for these courses to come through whenever they want to and for them to come forward without any expectation of making any amount of money. Like they're meant to be born through me. That's my only job. It's not even really my job for people to like them. It's not my job that they make a certain amount of of dollar. Um, They're little souls that are meant to be in the world. And that's my job as their parent. And that's it. But it's really hard. <laughs> the, the bridge though is the check-in. So whenever my brain starts to swirl around, I go right to my guides, did it yesterday. Um, and I was like, you know, is it, um, and I call him my course and I'll say, you know, um, does a birthday want to be discussed with this course right now? And I got a no. And I was like, great, then I'll just drop that. And, you know, I said, is it is a timeline forming, um, and is it important for me to just let that be, And I got absolutely just like, let it be on this one. And with anything else, like start tuning in about, you know, whatever. Um, So a check-in allows us to hold all the feelings, to bow to all the brain bossiness and the story and the fear, because my brain isn't doing anything wrong. It's trying to protect me. It's trying to ensure that like, People see this offering and they like it and they can like afford it. That's the intention. Um, And I can honor that intention, like scoop it up and hold it close to me and be like, thank you. Like, but it's just not going to make the decision for me. That's the difference. So the check-in ensures that it checks you out so that you make sure that you're actually not bypassing a feeling so that your brain actually isn't telling you, you know, if your brain's telling you, well, it doesn't make any sense to listen to that. How do you actually know unless you're checking in? We don't really. So honoring a check-in is really important. Um, and, um, it's very common that when we get a big exciting download, actually, that the brain will come in and try to tell us a million reasons about why we can't or shouldn't do that thing. So know this, that when, the, when to pay attention (laughs) to like a really juicy ass, like inner voice download is when the brain starts going, that's impossible. You can't, or my brain especially will always be like, well, let's figure it out. Let's do it immediately instead of just, um, like letting it be and letting it unfold as it's meant to. Um, and that, that's not something we have to get rid of. That's just like what we're doing. That's just, that's like a part of the, the relational, growth over time of the inner voice. Um, But here's the main thing for you. Even if you hear anything in your channel that you think is unattainable, absolutely outrageous, you can't do it, you can't afford it, you don't deserve it, throw it back up to spirit. There are so many things that my guides will say yes to, or will nudge me toward that for all the reasons in the world, I think I don't want to, I cannot afford to, you know, all of the, all of the things. Here's the deal. If your guides want you to do something, if you are meant to go somewhere, do something, have an experience, meet someone, if you're meant to marry or be with a person and have like whatever, and this kind of life. And if you think to yourself like, no fucking way, And then you think, well, how would I ever do that? You know, what what would be the first step? The key is always if there's that voice that says, I don't know, I don't think so, or what do I have to do to make this happen? We want to redirect. And because if spirit wants you to like, you know, have a wild life that seems totally out of your reach right now to your brain, spirit will hook you up. And there's very little you have to do about that other than to just be open to receiving when it comes, you're not going to miss it. Not at all. Um, so it's very normal that you can't sense into the how you can just check in, see if that's a yes or no for you. Um, and if it's a yes, um, if I hear to move, to go somewhere, to work through something and I, and I can't sense into that how into that how, and if I get a yes to, um, drop in on it um, or a yes to moving or a yes to that big thing. Um, then you get to um, work on releasing the brain narrative about the how and the why, which is exactly what I just described about my course. right now I don't I know I know the why, but I don't know the how right now. I don't know the when, I should say. and that's fine it's uncomfortable, but it's so fine. It's very normal. So, um, your intuition can't lead you astray. Um, you can just say, okay, spirit, if you want me there, you'll put me there. I won't try to figure it out until it's in front of me. That's the, that's the big surrender. And that's actually really like when the inner voice gets cooking, when we start to relinquish the control that, is really um, just totally a part of the brain and can so easily seep into intuitive practices. And we can think like, you know, oh my God, I'm so open, but it's when we're trying to control things, even in the in the most um, positive of ways that we're really, really losing sight of the idea of like this wide open space that can happen within us. Or we just allow whatever wants to come through when it wants to come through to do so. Um, So yeah, your intuition will never lead you astray, even if you can't imagine how it could ever be possible. Um, And the worst thing that could happen, like if you fall in your intuitive action and you skin your knee, um, there's going to be wisdom and experience to be gained from your skin knee. We just want to eliminate the brain confusion that can come up here, you know? Um, So I hope that helps you just keep checking in and notice when your brain takes over and like shuffles the file folders and goes, that's ridiculous. You know, just notice that because everybody's got that mechanism that just always shows up in different ways. So if yours shows up like that, it's important to bring in the boss, (laughs) so to speak, bring in your guides and really say like, I'm just going to check this out with you. The brain says this, is that true? And just notice, you know, what starts happening. Um, Brian asks, I find myself with incredibly potent imposter syndrome. I get it, Brian. The best way I can describe it is knowing the math equations work, but still not seeing how and why. Everything I do in my practice is shadowed in doubt. And even when something truly feels like it clicks, there's always a sense of, okay, but really? I know this somewhat rhetorical. I know that this is somewhat rhetorical, but how do you just trust fully and without reservation? Oh my God. Brian, I love you and I love your question. And and, uh this is a little bit about what I was saying to Alana. It is very normal, super normal, hyper normal for you to not know the how and the why. And I would say, I in fact, I would say that's the standard. I still don't know anything about the how and the why of what I'm doing. (laughs) Like anything. Um and if you can relax into the perfection of not knowing the how or the why it is going to loosen up so much because the idea that you should know is brain generated and it's just not true. We, we just don't need to know the how or the why. Um, my teacher, Michelle really helped me understand that. Um, and we just don't, you know, um, so the brain is very committed to us not wanting to trust our intuition, because if we do, the brain will lose control over us. So it's going to use that fear in all kinds of ways to slow us down, stop us. Um, And it's trying to love and take care of us, but can kind of act like a fucked up overprotective parent and like fucked up overprotective parents um, who use different methods to manipulate their children, um, the brain will use imposter syndrome. It will use that. And it will become, as Tara Brock says, one of your kind of top 10 hits. It'll become one of the ways that your brain knows like that'll slow Brian down. He won't, or they won't um, move into a space where they trust themselves. They'll slow down a little bit. They won't necessarily um, completely trust because they assume that in order to trust, it has to be completely surrendered. So, um, we'll get a little time in there, <laughs> you know, like it's so normal again, um, not pleasant, but normal. Um, so it will use imposter syndrome. It will invite you into the idea who are you to do this? Who are you to trust yourself? Who the fuck are you? It'll bring up all the times where you've ever quote made a mistake or, all the ways that you could, quote, make a mistake. That's again, very normal. And really to paraphrase Miriam Williamson, who are you not to, who are you to be born with this channel to not, um, step into it, you know, and it sounds like you are, but just speaking about the, the blowback, you know, that comes up with that. So to answer to that, um, I don't think anyone ever trusts fully, uh, without reservation, unless they're like, really far down the path and even then the people who are really far down the path also have brains. so I feel like um there's probably less of uh, the brain kind of going away and more of the, the of the understanding of how the brain works. So I don't know that the full trust is ever generated in anybody nor even really should it be. I don't know that that's even anything to gain. But I do think the focus can be on willingness to trust, which is also just willingness is such an important piece that was uh, gifted, handed to me, taught to me by my teacher, Michelle Sine, uh, around intuition. And um, it's so important to name her in that lineage um, because it's not about trusting fully. It's just about having the willingness. Are you willing to consider? That's it. That's all we really ever have to do. Um, And when we have a willingness to trust, we can simultaneously hold the story, the chemistry from the brain that tries to pull us out of that trust and grieve and heal and shift and recenter the brain around the imposter syndrome. Because I'm not one of those that really feels like when something comes up and it's, you know, hugely uncomfortable that we need to like get on in there and like heal it up. Um, I think that's pretty clear that I'm not really. Of that ilk. Um, But I do think that kind of it's gross, but kind of like a zit, like when something's ready to come up and out, it it gets way more painful and uncomfortable. And I do think that um, these emotional energetic experiences also work like that. So the imposter syndrome eventually will want to um, release itself from you that will just be, you may be that you have little remnants of it forever, but, um, the like popping of it, um, wants to happen. The body wants to release that. And so part of the way we do that is if we can release the idea that the fact that we don't trust is a problem because the lack of the trust and the surety actually isn't a problem. The imposter syndrome also isn't a problem. It's just It's like one of the things in the file that the brain knows will slow you down. When it brings it up, you can actually really pause with it and just say, brain, oh man, I know I really, really must be onto something if you're bringing forward that. You always bring that forward when I'm just about to crest over the next hill um, of expansion and clarity for myself and for others. And I can tell you're scared. I really want you to know I'm safe. I got it. Thank you so much for this invitation. But the truth is, who am I not to trust myself? Um, that's what I believe. That's what I know. It's a birthright for me to receive wisdom from my inner voice and step forward with it. There's really no such thing as a mistake. If something is really made in a way that I have to make amends for, I can do that. I can live with that too. Thank you so much, Brian. Um, but I'll be moving along without that invitation, you know, and then let it keep screaming and waving papers in your face. You don't have to take it on. You know, we, do, we just don't have to do that. When the lack of trust comes up, not knowing the how or the why, um, you know, you can say, I I absolutely do not feel this, but I'm willing to consider that the trust can generate over time. And it does. Um, the trust, deeper trust comes just with time, experience, repetition. And, you know, of course you may be very seasoned, but I think the more we do it, everybody's timeline is different, but the the more that enough evidence gets built up that, you know, that even if it's not, you know, you don't feel completely solid, it's still, you can generate that clarity and um, really just say, you know, if I feel it and if I'm checking in and if I'm really getting a yes, I can step forward and, Um, know that my brain will try all these different ways to not have me step forward (laughs) um, and that I can bow to them and know that the brain's trying to help actually. But um, I just don't have to take the help anymore. And I don't have to be upset when it tries to help because eventually the more we step up as parents and advocates, the more the brain will kind of quiet down and change. Um, So my Dear love, um, somebody that I love so much, Root Lock Tarot, on Instagram, asked me this question. This is our last question, um, the host of Root Lock Tarot podcast, which is amazing. What do you think about negative or self-critical internal voices? where do those come from? And do they have anything of value to teach us? Are they an internalized version of someone else's criticism of us? Anything else, something else? I'd love to hear your intuitive take on these kinds of voices and how to work with them productively. Um, I would be honored. So lots of theories. On Okay. So yes, I think some self-critical voices are projections of other people's um, criticisms of us projections from our caretakers, for sure. Um, what we internalized as children, what we internalize in relationships, a lot of it goes down to the root, I think, um, and just shows up in the self-critical mind. Um, there is also something to be said. Uh, my teacher, Michelle, um, feels that sometimes critical voices are invitations from, uh, energies that are not in our highest and best that are, you know, inviting us into, um, shame and doubt and fear and all that stuff. And, um, that we're really, um, helped by, you know, saying no, thank you to that. Um, But, uh, you know, it's a theory and a a good one, a fine theory. Um, I believe that critical voices um, hold a great deal of value, although we may not want to have lunch with them, it does hold a lot of value. Um, And sort of what I was saying to Brian Negative or self-critical talk or voices are usually the brain's programming that has become a warped form of loving protection. If the brain tells you over and over again, you're too stupid to do this, um, it has learned that when you feel that that's true, when you buy into that, if that's what you were told or that's what you were modeled, or if that was something that, um, you know, a really painful experience happened and you started to feel like, Um, you weren't smart enough, you know, whatever the story might be. If the brain says, well, yeah, of course you're too stupid. um, It is going to slow down your expansion. It is going to stop you in your tracks and you will stop riding the wave of the soul. You'll fall into the ocean. This isn't you or me or them. This is everybody. Everybody has got this voice everybody's voices, everybody has varying degrees of this, but one of the, it's meant to knock you off your feet. It's meant to knock you into distraction. It's meant like, and again, it's Mm -hmm. there because the brain is such a, um, I word I was going to say is like savage, but, um, primal, such a primal, primal protector that it does not want anything. To get in the way of that. So, the brain cruelly saying, You're too stupid, is the brain, what's under that is the brain saying, I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want you to feel like a failure anymore. I love you so much. I want to keep you safe. I want to protect you from harm. So, don't put yourself in situations that are going to call upon your innate intelligence that are going to make you feel like you don't know here. I want to keep you from that pain, from the pain that you may have experienced, you know, when you didn't have the answer in class or when your mom was calling you that, or when your father was calling you that because they felt that way, um, because of their pain. I want to keep you away from that pain. And the way that I'm going to do that is make the stove so hot that every time you touch it, you burn your hand and you walk away from it. Um, that's part of the value of them, uh, is, and it doesn't feel good, um, but it, That's the key of it, is that sometimes when those critical voices come in, it is so hard to not identify with them that we can find ourselves saying, well, I must be, you know, something must have happened or whatever. But what we want to do is try to like, almost like uh, we you know, want to like light our hands under warm sand to kind of like the damp sand underneath or move our hands through dirt. We're kind of going into the bottom layers a little bit and, you know, saying what's the protection underneath the criticism? Like what is the brain? Just like the example I gave with the I'm stupid idea. Um, the brain you know, typically generates these thoughts when it senses that we're in danger of moving into unknown territory, territory that it doesn't recognize as familiar, or when it knows that those voices or those narratives will slow us up and halt our expansion. So um, we don't need to ever fear these voices. We really want to acknowledge them, bow to them, honor them, um, but understand that they have nothing to do with us. And there are times when the inner critic comes forward and, um, there is a kernel of truth to it. You know, if the inner critic comes forward and is like, well, your temper is terrible. And we actually do have a lot of anger that we're working through. Uh, sometimes those feelings can feel really tough, but the way you know, it's brain is if it's criticizing because the soul, the inner voice spirit, it never communicates like that. Um, it will, if, if something about your temper, your anger will come up. And if we're only in a soul channel with it, where the soul is really going to take you, if you lose your temper is where's the grief under this? How can we pause? What do you need? How can we make amends to the people that, you know, may have gotten on the back end of that temper? Um, you can say no, thank you to the shame and you know, really bow to the feelings of regret and, you know, but like really processing and asking questions with the mindset of a compassionate friend, not one that is available to say, Oh my God, everything's okay. But one that's actually really strong and empowered, you know, I, my inner, you know, I'm, I'm teaching in public And I make public mistakes sometimes um, that cause harm. You know, if I speak in a way that's ignorant or um, in some way exclude, you know, um, that I'm not as inclusive as I'd like to be, or if I, you know, say something that inadvertently hurts somebody's feelings, um, I am able to hold all of the feelings that come up with that, the, the shame, the gut punch of guilt and regret. And like, But the first place my brain and guides always go to is, okay, hand on the heart, really be with these feelings. And also, what does this person need right now? So there can be both that winds up happening. So we can shift our relationship to that inner critic, but um, more than anything, what the inner critic really provides insight to is like, A, how does your brain try, what does your brain use to slow you up? What's in the filing cabinet? A lot of time we can feel like we don't know. The brain can feel really scary and mysterious. So with the inner critic, um, with the critical stuff, we really want to sense into, well, if the brain's using this, I must be really close to something big and exciting here. So that's number one. Number two, um, what are the things in the file folder that the brain uses to slow me up? The more knowledgeable we are about it, the more we can meet that with compassion. And then number three, we can always invite in spirit. If the brain's like, you're so stupid, you're so stupid. Check in with spirit about it. Spirit, am I stupid? And if you get a no, then you present that to the brain you're like brain I'm not getting a yes on that so I'm not available to hear what you got to say about it peace <laughs> you know like you can be compassionate and also really fucking clear about your boundaries you know people can call you your brain can call you anything it wants to you don't have to go home with it you don't have to listen to it or engage with it um but what you can do is go underneath the surface and say you know okay um thank you so much for that. Again, thank you for the invitation. I'm not available for it, but thank you. Thank you for trying to protect me. You know, thank you. Because as wild as this sounds, I really feel that this is true. That if there is an inner critic, an inner agitator, um, an inner ball buster, an inner troublemaker, it is always trying to help. It is always it is a wildly disjointed, not helpful type of help, but it is trying to help. And even in trying to slow us up, that's not malicious. That is because the brain is so frightened of what it doesn't know and the unknown is very much a part of the intuitive uh, initiation. Um, Brain doesn't know what the fuck this intuition is. That hasn't been a part of our life. It doesn't know all about that. And especially if there's been trauma, like it's going to use everything it's got to keep us out of that in safety. So, um, yeah, that's basically what you can start by doing. It's just when the critical voices come up, just be like, wow, okay, brain, you must be feeling really scared right now. Um, you know, we're not, we don't, we just don't have to identify with it. It gets so much easier said than done. But once you get it, once you practice it, it becomes the new normal that when your brain starts criticizing, um, or when, um, there are negative, you know, uh, tough internal voices, we just it can flip the record completely to just say like, Whoa, there must be a lot of fear here. You know, let me see what I can do. Let me see how I can show up for this. Um, so yeah. Those are the pieces. I love this question. Thank you so much for asking it. Um, I love all of you. Thank you so much for your presence um and your uh beautiful questions. And to all of you who asked questions um and didn't get an answer, I you know, I said this in part one, but I tried to um, include as many pieces that would suit everybody as possible. So hopefully there will be something for you in here that you can take away, even if I didn't answer your question directly. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting this podcast. If you like it, please give us five stars on iTunes. Please subscribe. Subscribing helps so much. You can follow me on Instagram at wild soul healing. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter, you can do so on the show notes or on my website, and uh next week we'll have monthly medicine. So I'm excited to touch in for that. Last one of the year. Um, I've got uh most likely uh well I've I have an offering coming out about the medicine of 2020. Um that'll be on my website for purchase soon. Um but uh yeah you'll hear more about that on monthly medicine, but you can always check the website to see if it's up there before then. Um love you all. Until next time, please take care of yourselves.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Orhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymac.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.